Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us today. We confess that we don't have all the answers, but as a community, we seek to find and follow Jesus and to discover daily the life he has always wanted for us. We hope this message will be encouraging and will inspire you to take the next steps on your spiritual journey. If we can help you in any way, please connect with us. The easiest way is through our website at ericksoncovenant.ca. Let's get started. The year was A.D. 62. The world is in geopolitical turmoil. Rome is flexing its might, and anyone in their way is annihilated. The times are frightening and desperate. Paul, imprisoned in Rome for preaching the gospel, never tires of encouraging newly birthed Christian communities despite the overwhelming odds against him. By candlelight in prison cell, Paul pens letters with the help of his scribe and close friend, Timothy. The letters are to be hand-delivered by couriers he trusts with such valuable cargo. To believers in Asia Minor, desperate to hear from their esteemed teacher and spiritual father. It is a long and perilous journey for those trusted couriers. These precious documents traveled out of Rome, unobserved, carrying news that would encourage and guide their intended audience. Epaphroditus was delivering a message to the Christians in Philippi, for he was their pastor. Tychicus was carrying letters to the new believers in Ephesus, where Paul had previously taught for two years. Laodicea, this letter has not been found. And Colossae, the letter to the Colossians was written in response to a visit Paul had from their much-loved leader, Epaphras. Traveling with Tychicus was on a mission. Oh, how do you say all these words? <laughs> Onesimus. Onesimus had run away from his master Philemon, who was a member of the church at Colossae. Paul has also given Onesimus a letter for Philemon that would guide them through their tricky slave-master relationship. The companions, united in spirit, carried these precious letters by land and by sea. Though the journey was long and uh, perilous, they were never in real danger because 2,000 years ago, God planned for four of these letters to be preserved so that the words Paul scribed could encourage, continue to strengthen, and form the backbone of the early church, then continue forward to this very day to help us flourish as his people and his church. Settle back and listen as we eavesdrop on the church in Colossae receiving the long-awaited news from Paul, and perhaps he has a message for us as well. Παύλος, Απόστολος Ιησού Χριστού, Διαθελήματος Θεού και Τιμόθεος ο Αδελφός, της εν κολοσσές Αγίης και πιστής αδελφής εν Χριστό, χάρη σημείν και ειρήνη, 
από Θεού Πατρός ημών και Κυρίου Ιησού Χριστού. Ευχαριστούμεν το Θεό και Πατρί του Κυρίου ημών Ιησού Χριστού, πάντοτε περί ημών προσευχόμενοι, ακούσαντε στην πίστη ημών εν Χριστό Ιησού και την αγάπη. Colossians 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power, so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself 
through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in the relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. The church in Colossae was on the brink of forgetting what they knew to be true about Jesus. They were being pulled and pressured with worldly powers and philosophies. They were drifting from the gospel message Paul had shared. Erickson Covenant Church, do you long for some good news from a loved one that will encourage you and reset your faith? Do you long for good news from a mentor that will once again help you to flourish? Words that will anchor you and give you solid assurance in what you believe and who you are in Christ? So hear this good news. 2,000 years ago, our God knew we would need the good news from Paul to encourage and guide us, so he preserved this letter for just such a time as now. If you're drifting and unsure, Paul's words in Colossians 1, 15 to 20 could not be clearer. These verses are the most powerful description ever written of Jesus Christ. If you are a believer... Paul wants you to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus, the rock you are building your life on, the foundation of your faith could not be more solid. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. He always has existed before anything else. Everything was created through him, for him, by him, everything. He holds all creation together. He is the head of the church. He is the first. He is the, full, the fullness of God lives in him. Through Christ, everything is reconciled to God. If all that's not enough to make you stand up a little taller, God reveals one more truth. This Jesus that I just described, he's living in you. Do you believe that? If you do, then you can rest assured that you will be presented to God as perfect based on your relationship with Christ. Can you imagine being presented as perfect? How can we possibly keep this truth quiet? How can we not share this good news? 
Are you telling others so they too can share this amazing relationship with Jesus? What is your part in helping people find and flourish, follow Jesus, so they can stand before God in perfection? Those are just a few questions you can ponder as we continue to be to be, uh, continue to listen to the letter being read to the church in Colossae. I want you to know how I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong tithes of love. I want them to be, have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I am telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. And now, as you accept Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. When your faith will, then your faith will grow strong and in truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather than from Christ. For in Christ li lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also were complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record that charged against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or worship of angels, saying they have had visions of these things. Their sinful minds are made, have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't touch, don't taste? These rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Paul continues to hammer home the importance of a correct understanding of Jesus. We need to know who Jesus is. We need to be sure about what Jesus did and said and how he behaved on earth. This can be accomplished by 
sitting with, staying in, holding on to, and spending time with the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These gospel writers are first-hand friends and believers of Jesus. They live day-to-day with Jesus. In gospel accounts, we have a written record of Jesus, the visible image of the invisible God, at work here on earth. We must fight against getting sidetracked, deceived, as the text says, into other ways. Some in Colossae were lured down paths of religious legalism, hyper-spirituality, and aesthetic practices. Jesus is the only way. Accept Jesus and continue to follow him. Flourish by letting your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. You've been taught this truth. You believe this truth. How will you know if your faith is flourishing? Well, Paul tells us it will be obvious because you will be overflowing with thankfulness. Believers, we have died and risen again with Christ. He has set us free from the evil spiritual powers of this world. Now, how are we to behave with this new freedom? Who are we? Who aren't we? Let's continue listening in as we hear the next part of the letter from Paul to the church in Colossae. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord. Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. 
Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. In chapters 1 and 2, Paul gives a solid, unrelenting teaching about who God is and what Jesus has done for us. In chapter 3, we begin to understand what living this new life looks like. Verse 1 states, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Take a moment now to think about heaven. What comes to your mind? Just speak it out to me as you think about heaven. What are the things that come to your mind? Joy. Joy, thank you. Peace, pardon? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. No more pain and suffering. No more pain and suffering, yes. A new body. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Woohoo! That's right, we've got love and grace, peace, no more sorrow, no more tears, harmony, unity. We'll be reconciled to God. In contrast, that life we have here on earth is quite chaotic, busy, distracted. Disasters, wars, murder, hate, broken hearts, broken relationships, unrest, conflict, pain, struggles, fractures everywhere we look. If you believe in Jesus and follow him, and if you picture heaven and living in that environment, you'll be far, far more likely to behave in a way that reflects the new Christ that's living in you and your new heavenly home. Your old sinful self will stick out like a sore thumb against the backdrop to the new heavenly home you have. When I make a bad choice or indulge some old sinful habits, my new nature cries out, hey, wait a minute, that's not who you are anymore. That kind of behavior just doesn't go with your new heavenly home. Can you imagine being in heaven and barging to the front of the line at the pearly gates and snatching the scroll out of St. Pete's hand and blasting the guy behind you for being too slow? No, you wouldn't do those things, demanding certain special treatment because it's your right. No, you would not behave like that in heaven, so don't behave like that here. God has chosen you. He loves you. So he clothes you with a tender heart, mercy, kindness, humility, and patience. It will not be instant. But you, as you put on your new nature, will be renewed as you learn more about God and become more like him. You can find the harmony of heaven on earth in here with our communities here as you forgive one another, submit to one another, Obey one another. Love one another. The community or family member you are serving is Christ. 
do everything as you were working for the Lord. Friends, you have been patient sitting through this reading of Paul's letter to the Colossians. Let's turn our attention to the final chapter and listen in. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Tychicus will give you a full report of how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how you are doing, we are doing and to encourage you. I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greeting, and so does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co-workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings, and so does Demas. Please send my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting. Paul, remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. We don't wait well these days, do we? We have become far too accustomed to the instant. Instant messaging, instant pudding, instant hair color, instant access to information and entertainment. It's easy for us to have instant access to Paul's words today. But I found it interesting to reflect on the cost in time, travel, personal freedom, and safety that these early saints undertook these are the ones that we have that have gone before us and we have to remember them. There has been a price paid for our being able to have such easy access today. Can you even imagine waiting for months or the years required for this journey to receive the needed instructions? Today, 
if that much time elapsed, whatever the situation was that sent Epaphras on his journey to seek Paul's guidance, the situation would have changed a hundred times. We are consumed with instant everything these days and have zero tolerance for waiting. The thing is, the human problem has not changed over time. Despite the 2,000 years that have passed, we, like the Colossians, still desperately need to hear Paul's words because we are still sinners and in need of salvation, and Christ is still the only way. I get distracted trying to beef up my faith by installing apps that remind me to pray every hour or the latest author that can deepen my relationship with God or perhaps a podcast that promises enlightenment. And I also get discouraged. Life is hard. I pray and explain to God what the best outcome is for certain situations in my, mouth, in my life, with my children or my marriage or my health. And I want God to endorse my plan because usually it doesn't involve pain and it's quite straightforward. Paul, he also endorses prayer. He says, pray without ceasing, pray every day, pray all the time, continue in prayer always. And his words to the Colossians were, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. I know I can set an app to remind me to pray or design the perfect prayer closet or choose the most uh, spiritual position in which to pray. I think every believer's question is not, am I going to be able to pray every hour of every day, but am I going to be able to persevere in prayer? Am I going to keep trusting God, keep turning to God, keep obeying God despite the circumstances? God's answer to prayer, much like his character, is consistent. It remains the same always. The first answer, the cross. Accept Jesus for the problems of your sin. The second answer, I am coming. Not now, not yet, not how you expect, but ultimately I will reconcile everything to myself. These two answers give us reason to be sure God is in control and he has a plan. Do you trust him? Can you wait on him? I don't want to pray to get my own way or to have others pray for my situation to fulfill the vision that I have. I'm thankful that God isn't my sugar daddy. I get it. Life is difficult, and we do want relief from the pain. It's good to share with God those feelings because he is listening and can handle our anger and ranting, our sorrows, our tears, our pains, our frustration. But in the end, even for Jesus, it must always be, not my will, but yours be done. Face the answer he gives you and trust God. For many years, I've journaled. At some point, I had heard it good for you to write down what you're thankful for, maybe from Oprah or Brene Brown, but it's a gratitude journal. And it was the new thing, the holy grail of spiritual pursuits. You list all the blessings, your family, your friends, your food, uh, your job, whatever you like, your spouse and kids. 
I even remember hearing one lady praying for a parking spot at the mall. Now, I had a hard time believing that that is what Paul was talking about when he said, devote yourselves to prayer uh, with an alert mind and a thankful heart, and I mentioned this to God. But slowly, patiently, through many years, God has turned that desire to be thankful into a deep gratitude. Gratitude is connected to prayer when you understand the gospel. You have a problem. Your sin is preventing you from having a relationship with your creator, the one who loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, Christ, for the debt that you owed. The good news is this. Accept Jesus, the visible son of the invisible God, as the way to reconciliation with the creator. And then you will have something to be deeply grateful for. I understand the gospel now in, way, in a way that gives me something God-sized to be thankful for. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am reconciled to God because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, how thankful I am not to face God alone, <laughs> full of shame for all the mistakes that I have made or guilt for what I chose to do that led to heartbreak. But because of my relationship with Jesus, I'm presented perfect to God. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity, Paul says. As we live through situations in our lives, the goods, the bads, the ups, the downs, mistakes, the triumphs, Christ living in you will affect how you respond. Don't leave your Christianity, your Christ-likeness, at church on Sunday. Take it with you back to your family, into your homes, into your friendships, into your jobs and your schools. Let what you say reflect what you believe. Believers, you know you are saved, forgiven, and reconciled to God as perfect. So don't turn away from that truth. Changes in our behavior come from Christ living in us, not because of anything that we can do. Now, this seems like a really good place to end. The message, the gospel's gone out. I've done all I can do here. But after all, the final verses of chapter 4, they're just like a greeting. And I was tempted to sweep them under the carpet, but the person with whom I live suggested that greetings must be there for a reason. And here is what God revealed. When you walk in the way of Jesus, you are never alone. Look around you. Look at this community of flourishing saints around you. Get to know the people that God has placed in your life. Who is our Tychicus? Can you name a faithful saint who is here to help and encourage us? Who is our Onesimus, a faithful, beloved son, but he's in a bit of a tricky life situation? Who is our Architicus and Marks, faithful saints that are here visiting 
well, we welcome and embrace our fellowship because they're working here for the kingdom. Who is the um, um, mysterious archippus whose message was, be sure to carry out the ministry of the Lord that the Lord gave to you. I'm going to be watching for you. I am leaving you with those thoughts. Now, as you head off to coffee, maybe you will look at your fellow flourishing saints a little differently. And your conversation may include words that encourage them, care for them, and your thoughts may reflect the prayer that Epaphras prayed for the Colossians in verse 12. I ask you, God, to make this flourishing saint strong and perfect, fully confident that they are following the whole will of God. Amen. Thanks for listening in today. We hope you feel encouraged and challenged. If you know someone who would benefit from what you have heard today, please share this podcast. For more information, or if you have questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for Erickson Covenant Church.